0: Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened divisions. It was with these words that the U.S. Supreme Court handed down its momentous decision in the case of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health and effectively reversed Roe v. Wade, and our national abortion regime. We're going to talk about it with Catherine Glenn Foster and Steve Aden of Americans United for Life. I am Tom Shakley, and this is Life, Liberty, and Law. Welcome to Life, Liberty, and Law from Americans United for Life, where we advance the human right to life in culture, law, and policy. I am Tom Shakley, and I couldn't be more thrilled to be with you today alongside Catherine Glenn Foster, our president and CEO, and Stephen H. Aiden, our chief legal officer and general counsel. Today, Roe v. Wade is no more. Catherine, Steve, how are you feeling?
1: Absolutely euphoric. That there's no real word to describe it's just the lightness and, and the joy that um, that we feel today knowing that that after 50 years they have finally taken away our chains. They've finally, you know, rung the starting bell and we can finally start to real, real progress. We've worked for 50 years. We've passed hundreds of pro-life laws doing what we can, but now some of those laws that have been enjoying for decades, they can finally go into effect and have the effect that they were meant to, to protect moms, to protect babies. Incredible, a, a wonderful day.
0: That's so right, Catherine. I know, Steve, you've been working on this issue for so long as well. Did you expect, you know, in your heart of hearts, to really see this day that Roe v. Wade would be reversed?
2: Actually, yes, I did. I think that truth was always on our side, that the facts were always on our side. Someone I know once said, whenever you see the world as it really is, you come to know God better. It's always been a process of getting the court and the public to really see and understand what abortion really is and does, both to women and to life in the womb. Those of us who have seen uh, the movie Amazing Grace remember the unforgettable scene in which William Wilberforce brings members of the House of Parliament to the dock to smell the stench of a rotting slave ship and to see the chains that uh, Africans were enslaved in. And he said, now that you have seen, you can no longer say that you didn't know. I think the court at least the majority, is no longer saying it doesn't know. Um, When we had the oral argument on December 1st, the remarkable thing, as we said back then, was how they were talking about fetal pain on abortion, how they were talking about when human life begins. They were talking about uh, all those sacred cow issues that the court justices never seemed to get to in all the abortion cases before this one. Um, And yet, year by year, uh, the dialogue, the debate uh, grew more and more honest and earnest in the streets uh, in the state houses in Congress until we come to today. Yeah, I knew this day would come because the truth will out and
0: and it has. Catherine, I know you just spoke recently, just last week, at the Life After Row Symposium at the Heritage Foundation alongside Dr. Kevin Roberts of Heritage and Dr. Brian Anderson of the Ethics and Public Policy Center and you spoke a little bit about What life after Roe looks like. Uh, And we're now at this moment. I mean, is this as pivotal a moment in American history as it seems?
1: I absolutely do believe that it's um, It's a pivotal moment. Uh, we're at this this inflection point, I would say. Uh, we're at a time when the Supreme Court has finally recognized the wrongs of the last 50 years and, um, and has said that we as a nation, we can do better. Um, it's corrected a historic injustice and it really restores hope for the fundamental human right to life. Now that we have... Uh, Roe reversed and Casey reversed, and now that um, that abortion is no longer enshrined as this purported constitutional right, you know, states now have the power to outlaw abortion at any stage of human life. Every lawmaker is now uh, truly accountable for where they stand and for what they do or, or don't do <laughs> to advance the human right to life. And so, um, and so, it it more than ever, it takes all of us more than ever, um, all of us must stand for life and, and encourage every state and every lawmaker to act. Um, and at and, and the same time, we need to be focusing on that generational goal of enshrining a constitutional amendment to settle this issue once and for all, for all time, so that from coast to coast in all 50 states, that finally every child will be guaranteed that right to life and every mom will know that she is, um, that she is protected and she is cherished and that she has true choice.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a key thing to underscore, right? We've talked about it, gosh, I mean, it feels like ad nauseum on life, liberty, and law. And I know we've talked about it institutionally as Americans United for Life, really from the beginning for decades. But uh, it's clear from the initial reaction to the reversal of Roe v. Wade that it's not clear to folks who are following, you know, mainstream media coverage that maybe isn't really making this point clearly. The end of Roe is just the beginning of the next chapter in the American story, certainly the next chapter in the pro-life movement, right? And it doesn't mean that abortion has been abolished uh, across the country, coast to coast, but it does mean that that conversation can now start. It does mean that states that are life-protecting and that have had law and policy in place uh, or constitutional jurisprudence in state at the state level, uh, that they can now protect life, Right. And you know, I know I've seen uh, different numbers. I think 26 states uh, in some form or another are going to protect life as a result of the reversal of Roe. Um, and then on the other hand, I know that if you look at where Americans live in terms of the states they're in, something like two-thirds of Americans will still be living in life hostile or life in different states, states like you know California, New York, Illinois, uh, that not only you know, will not embrace life today or tomorrow, um, but that may go further in extremist reaction, further than Roe ever did. Steve, what do you make of all of this at this point? I think there's a lot of reasons for hope, uh, right? Of, of all these states that are going to be doing so many good things and already have started, even today, just as we're speaking, states have announced a number of them. Um, but there's so much work to be done.
2: Tremendous amount of work to be done, Tom. I uh, tell everybody who listened that the pro-life movement's workload just tripled. And uh, we, will meet that, <laughs> we will meet that need and empower state lawmakers, uh, legal officers, uh, and members of Congress to protect life. Look, it was wonderful to see in the headlines, Supreme Court overturns Roe. But more powerful than that to me were the reports I was getting over Twitter and elsewhere. Alabama has shut down abortion facilities. Louisiana will enforce its laws. Uh, Texas abortionists announced they are not taking new patients. Arkansas abortionists announced they are not taking new patients. Abortion ended in Wisconsin. Um, It is rolling. Uh, The new pro-life America is here. And uh, we've got to do everything we can to support and defend and uh, empower those brave lawmakers and uh, attorneys general and their staff, uh, who are determined to protect every human life, and that's what we intend to do.
0: You know, Catherine. In this moment, I think you know that there's such critical perspective that that Americans United for Life has to offer the country on this issue. We're talking today certainly about the reversal of Roe v. Wade, the reversal of Casey, the reversal of abortion jurisprudence as we've known it, but. When it comes to the Mississippi law that was at the heart of Dobbs, you know, that 6-3 decision today, this was a law that protected children in the womb at 15 weeks of gestational age. What was at the heart of this case was a law that was protective and, and less restrictive than the laws that exist today on the books in nations, pure nations in Europe like Germany or France where 12 weeks of protection is the standard. How is it that Europe has more protective laws than even we at the heart of this case from Mississippi, and yet the conversation, the messaging from pro-abortion activists, they're acting as if the U.S. Supreme Court is the most radical, the most extreme set of judges in you know world history, for all that's and purposes.
1: We have seen just how radical the U.S. is on abortion law. When we're in the company with nations like, you know, Canada, China, and North Korea, and how extreme our abortion law is when the rest of the world has at most, you know, 12-week limit, um, something that, you know, the vast majority of Americans agree with, um, we have to take a good hard look at ourselves. We have to ask what we're doing wrong and how to fix it, because we know that we are, that we've been in Outlier, and um, and maybe to justify that to ourselves, we've tried to export that to the rest of the world. We've you know engaged in this abortion colonialism, where we try to export um, radical pro-abortion policy in uh, in our UN work, um, in our foreign aid, and in other ways. And so finally, you know, now maybe we can we can take a step back from that, and we can take a good hard look at ourselves and say, you know, not only. Um, is our own policy, has it been wrong? Um, not only do we need to actually flip that script and instead ask, how do we support life instead of how do we, you know, um, how do we grasp the answers that, um, that really leave women with no choice, feeling like there's no choice left but abortion. But we can really, um, we can really shift how we handle abortion on the world stage as well.
2: Yeah, we've already heard from friends in Latin America, especially how grateful they are about the Dobbs decision and Rose overturn. Um, the 100-pound gorilla of U.S. constitutional right to abortion can't be exported to Latin American countries, which are form- fundamentally pro-life anymore. Um, I've said uh, many times in many ways that after row is overturned there is no federal policy favoring abortion in fact the federal laws and our regulations all create exceptions for funding or empowering or assisting in elective abortions the federal policy is fundamentally pro-life so regardless of what you're hearing from the biden administration today and what you'll hear going forward for quite a long time there is no federal law and no federal policy that promotes elective abortion. Once again, they are just making it up, and our friends, our allies in uh, Latin America and elsewhere recognize that. Uh, They see that the emperor has no clothes, uh, and they're looking forward to relief from uh, the hegemony, really, of the U.S. and uh, non-governmental organizations that want to export this so-called fundamental right to abortion.
0: Yeah. You know, when I was on the Metro, uh, first going to the Supreme Court uh, and then coming from the Supreme Court, from Union Station to uh, American United for Life today, there were folks coming in uh, clearly who were there. They were going to the court uh, either on the pro-life or pro-abortion side of things. Um, But then, you know, there's just everybody doing their daily thing. You know, it's a Friday in Washington, D.C. in the summer. So it's a bit of a different vibe in the summer, a bit more laid back. And it was just fascinating to see the difference between the folks who were there. They were on a mission, right, going to the Supreme Court to make their voice heard Um, But then you see just everybody living their normal lives, you know, Uh, and I was struck by, you know, a comment uh, as I walked by a store here near our office, uh, you know, a woman called out and she said, you know, hey, I hope you make it a great day. That kind of spirit that that you're encountering on the street here, I think, you know, it it helps reassure me. It helps take me out of the bubble that we can all find ourselves sometimes in whatever the bubble's name is, Twitter, the news, the news cycle, uh, the the abortion issue, And to realize that for the vast majority of Americans, not only are they not supportive of abortion, but today is not a day, uh, you know, for them in the way that it might be for someone like, uh, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was out there saying that women, in her view, have woken up with fewer rights today. Catherine, I mean, how do you react to that, you know, AOC there on the floor of the House saying that kind of thing? you know, how do you react as a woman? How do you react as a pro-life leader? How do you react as a mom?
1: Uh, Really, I'm just sad. I'm sad that someone, uh, anyone, and especially a woman would really harm her fellow woman by saying that that we need that. Um, That's the same kind of of It's the same kind of, of faulty ideology that the Supreme Court gave us in 1992 in Planned Parenthood v. Casey. It's been, you know, what, 30 years now um, of this... Of this idea espoused by the court that women rely on abortion to succeed that um that, that this ruling today now is um is somehow a failure or a miscarriage of justice and that um and that it needs to be fixed that women need to be fixed in order to participate fully in mm. um in business or in or in civic life and um and it's for me it's hard to imagine um a less um a, a less feminist idea if you lean that way, or a less um a woman um positive view or or you know, if you, um, if you're a person of faith, a less biblical view, you know, we don't, you know, we were created as we are, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And, um, and we were created unique, every single one of us, but also we were created male and female. And it's, it's not like women are broken, and, um, and need to be sterilized or fixed. um, The way some of our country, um, some of our our companies some of our nation's right. um, industries seem to think when they're saying well you know we we won't pay for your your child care we won't give you a flexible work schedule or work uh, you know work from home or anything but we will pay for you to go to another state for a couple of days and go get an abortion um, you know that's that's it, it's bad business it's bad morality it's bad for our nation it's bad for our hearts
0: yeah, thank you, Catherine. I think you know two things, uh, and then we're going to pivot a little bit into the language of the decision, and we'll look to you for that, Steve, uh, to walk us through some of the key key takeaways. Uh, but first, I want to highlight, you know, uh, Catherine. I know you spoke recently with Ben Dominich at Fox News, and you did a great uh, special that they have out now. Uh, it's called Overturning Roe, and it's uh, the, this is my subhead, not theirs, but it's sort of like the story of how we did it. Uh, and you are there and you speak alongside some other amazing, powerful pro-life women and advocates, uh, that uh, is available if you're listening to this. Just check out uh, Catherine's Twitter account. Uh, we're going to link to it in the show notes. Um, that is out. I know you've tweeted that, Catherine. And, um, you can also uh, just Google overturning Roe Fox Nation to find that. We'll link to the direct video as well in the show notes. Um, really important to capture this moment that we're in how we got here, what's next. Um, But also, now is the perfect time to come and stand alongside Americans United for Life, to join with us in this work. Steve mentioned a few minutes ago that we're going to need to double, to triple our efforts to advance the human right to life and culture, law, and policy. Well, we can't do it without your support. So please visit aul.org, visit aul.org slash give. We'll link to it in the show notes and make a one-time gift maybe sign up as a monthly recurring donor. We would love your support. We'd love to earn your continuing solidarity with us as we continue this fight. Because as we're talking about here, Catherine and Steve, this is just the next chapter in America's story and in the history of the pro-life movement. There's a lot of work to be done. Uh, But before we get into all the work to be done, Steve, what are some of the highlights from the actual decision in Dobbs, this 6-3 ruling? What do we need to know? Yeah, Tom, I think
2: there's no better example of the impact of Americans United for Life's uh, almost 50-year effort to overturn Roe, then uh, page 47 of Justice Sam Alito's official opinion of the court, where he cites to my colleague, AUL Senior Counsel Clark Forsyth's book, Abusive Discretion, the Inside Story of Roe versus Wade. For this proposition, Justice Alito writes, this elaborate scheme of Roe versus Wade was the court's own brainchild. Neither party advocated the trimester framework, nor did either party or any amicus argue that viability should mark the point at which the scope of the abortion right and a state's regulatory authority should be substantially transformed. In other words, according to Justice Alito and the majority today, they were making it up. And it's a thrill and a privilege to be working with AUL's Clark Forsyth uh, and to see that citation as uh, a feather in his cap and in the cap of AUL for decades of work to overturn Roe versus Wade. So a salute to you, my friend, and congratulations to your great work. Um, I would start, Tom, uh, and almost uh, this is nearly everything I need to say, really, uh, because it all comes under this header on page 5 of Justice Alito's opinion for the court, where he says, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. That provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such rights must be deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of order liberty. The right to abortion does not fall within this category. That's the top-line holding of the majority of the court. Roe is gone, all aspects of Roe. Um, There's a new day uh, to fight for life uh, in court and to implement arguments that we have implemented all along, from uh, the authority of the states to protect life all the way to conception, uh, all the way to conceivably arguing that life in the womb should be protected constitutionally. And uh, we will be pushing hard uh, in the future, the very near future, I think, for a nation that is unified under its constitution and its recognition that all human lives deserve protection. Um, Justice Alito's decision also repudiates the so-called reliance interests of Planned Parenthood versus Casey, where the court uh, determined not to overturn Roe by a bare majority, but did say that women had come to rely on the availability of abortion lest contraception fail. Uh, And the court said that's not true. Women succeed today. They have not and will not require abortion to succeed, a point that you, Catherine, have made over and over again, and many other successful women who are our friends and colleagues have made. Now the court has finally listened. And I think most importantly for me, Justice Alito makes it clear in this opinion that abortion is different because abortion alone involves the intentional destruction of human life. It's his way of saying to the dissenters, the three in the dissent, and to many others, uh, political leaders and others in America, you don't get it. This is not just any ordinary so-called constitutional right. This is about another life. This is about another human being. And that's what makes it special, and that's why this right to destroy has never been in the Constitution, and that's why states now have the legal authority going forward to strive to protect every single one of those human lives because they are precious. That's what we intend to do, Tom.
0: And let's talk about what that looks like just briefly. I know, Steve, you're doing a lot of writing, and there's going to be more to come from Americans United for Life in this post-Roe world. But when we talk about a constitutional solution, something like a constitutional amendment, I know you and I have talked about looking to something like the 13th Amendment, Right. And just as a refresher, you know, in effect, that would look like theoretically, you know, language like abortion shall not exist in the United States. Right. right. Simple as that. In, in, oh, in yeah. an era of, you know, thousand page omnibus bills, you think, can it really be so simple? And sure, there'd be some some language in there, some sub sub points, but that would basically be it. Right. That would be the theory. Yes, we think so. Um it's a tough,
2: knotty problem when you look at ideological concepts like what does uh, humanity involve? Uh, what is a person? Uh, those are important questions that we can and should debate, but the language of the 13th Amendment cuts the Gordian knot, I think, as you said, and it goes right to the quick and simply says abortion shall not exist. Now, there will be an exception for medical situations in which the life of the mother must be preserved. And those will come either in a discrete section of of that exception to protect women or possibly in the definition of abortion. But this protects lives in virtually all circumstances. And that's what we think the nation should move forward and do. The reason is that now that Roe is gone, Uh, About one-third of the states will continue to have abortion on demand, continue to pretend that they are defending a fundamental right to destroy human life. Another one-third will have very strong protections for life um, and call that same policy murder. And then another third of the states will be battlegrounds in the state legislatures and in the state courts, fights in which Americans United for Life and our partners will be engaged But frankly, Tom, I I doubt, honestly, that this nation can long endure where half of its states purport to protect a fundamental right to destroy life in the womb and the other half call it murder. I don't think that's tenable. And I think we need to talk about truth, as I said, what abortion really is and does. And we have to move toward protecting all life in each state. And the only way to do that in the long term, is a constitutional amendment, and that's what we will be fighting for. The um, uh, That's the only choice we have. Uh, anything that we do in Congress is laudable but temporary. Anything in states involves 50 different policies. Um, we must do this, and we will. It is a generational fight. Overturning Roe was a nearly 50-year generational fight, and we accomplished it. This may be the generational battle of the coming generation so i say to young people i mean Catherine, you and you you can relate to doing rallies at youth events as i have and saying roe versus wade will be overturned in our lifetime and then tongue-in-cheek saying to the mostly young audience that means my lifetime not yours <laughs> um and i thank god that we have seen this in our lifetime But this generational fight of protecting every life with the constitutional amendment may be uh, the fight for the next generation. And thankfully, by God's grace, uh, there are now more young people than ever, uh, more young people than older people who identify as pro-life and are willing to fight that fight for their pre-born brothers and sisters. So we say bring it on.
0: Well, and we know this is an intergenerational issue. It always has been. It always will be. It's going to require people... Having a sense of moral clarity, having their bearings about them, uh, being willing to wade through the issue rationally, reasonably, and then apply it in their own lives—you uh, know—that's what love and solidarity are all about. I mean, I think you know, Steve, you are mentioning in this long-term view that, yeah, we need the Supreme Court, we need the Constitution uh, to speak with clarity on the human right to life. Why is it that the human right to life, that unborn children, that the pre-born, are the only population in america that have not been afforded protections through the constitution why this is a justice issue and Catherine, i know you know you speak to audiences all the time and you and i have spoken about even some of these hard issues you know you were we talked about this on the podcast before you know your great exchange with uh, democrat uh, and pro-abortion unfortunately representative jamie raskin where he brought up the, the hard cases, right, uh, of things like rape and incest, you know, kind of tangential to that is what Steve mentioned there, issues uh, where it's, you know, do you need to get an abortion to save the life of a mother? And we know a lot of this does come down to defining our terms and being clear, well, what is an abortion? An abortive act, an abortion, is always the direct and intentional killing of the unborn child. And fortunately, there is no medical intervention that necessitates the intentional or direct killing of the unborn child to save the life of a mother or to do good. It may be the case, you know, whether in the case of an early delivery uh, in order to perform a life-saving surgery, in order to address something like an ectopic pregnancy where because of where the child's implanted, there's no chance, at least currently with current medical technology, there's no chance tragically for that child to come to full term to live birth. Uh, and so a doctor goes in to save the one patient he knows he can. But the doctor is not going in saying, I hope I can kill that child. If he could, he would save both the mother and the child. And so we know in these cases that, you know, when we hear this phrase sometimes, medically necessary abortions. There's no such thing. There's never a medical necessity to kill the unborn. Doctors always want to save both patients. And this is going to be, I think, a big educational point in law and policy on both the state and federal level and in any constitutional resolution is helping people understand that, right? Sure, that's right. And, yeah, that's why I mentioned earlier that what the law has to
2: do is make sure that it doesn't sweep innocent women uh, under the same rule by making it clear that this is not abortion, uh, this unintended consequence of losing the pre-viability infant – uh, in order to save the mother, we love them both and uh, we strive in law and in culture to save and cherish them both.
0: That's so, yeah. so well said, Steve. Yeah. Catherine, I mean, at this moment here, as we come to a close in this conversation, I know there's so much more to be done, but you've been out there for years now, educating, equipping, and empowering not just young people, certainly young people, but people of all ages, backgrounds, and beliefs. Are you excited to get back out there? I mean, what what do you, what gets you most fired up about the, uh, the, the year to come, let's say?
1: What fires me up the most is the hope that I'm seeing in people's eyes, the hope that I'm hearing in people's voices. You know, we have been saying for 50 years that Roe belongs on the ash heap of history. And for 50 years, we've been fighting for this day. So this isn't the end. Um, this isn't, you know, just the, it's the culmination of our efforts, but, but it's, it's sort of step one, right? You know, it, it means that we have to redouble and, and triple our efforts. And we're going to be, like Steve said, you know, busier than ever before, because now so many more avenues are opened. And the more I talk to people today, and, um, and and the more people realize that the more people see the possibilities of what's out there. Um, People are just there's this joy in their hearts, they're, they're beaming, they have um, so much expectation for the future. And, um, and I think about, I think about the children who are going to be born um, as a result of, of this day right here, the children that are going to be born in the states that have already uh, closed down their clinics, um, the ones that are going to come from from the efforts of the years ahead as we continue to push forward um, in the states and at the federal level and, and pushing towards a constitutional amendment. Um, this is going to transform our nation, and it's going to make us... Um, uh, a more humane, a more loving, a more welcoming nation, and um, and I just say, bring it on.
0: Yeah, growth is challenging. Growth can be hard, but we're up for it, and this is a time to grow. So, Catherine, Steve, so honored to speak alongside you both today. Congratulations on this moment. Congratulations on your work that brought us here, and looking forward to both of you leading us into this next era in this post-real world. Thank you. Thank you. It's our privilege, Tom. Thank you. I am Tom Shakley. Thank you for listening to Life, Liberty, and Law.